Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. It's time to play like a jet. With your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Here they come on third and five. Wilson. Boy, somehow escapes. He's going to run for it. Plenty of green grass. Wilson stays in bounds. He's still going. And he's in. Touchdown. Zach Wilson pulling a magic trick. Down the middle, he's got it. Elijah Moore. The 20. The 10. The 5. Touchdown. Two is buried. That was Sauce Gardner. Here he goes! Goodbye and hello Enzo! And Dyke swarmed, swallowed, and sacked. Guess who? You only got one guess. Jermaine Johnson. Here's Brees Hall looking for history. Hall with his 24th straight game with a rushing touchdown into the NCAA record books. Listen. Thank you. From the playlikeajet.com digital studio, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at playlikeajet1. And it is time to talk about the Jets and the Browns today. And my goodness, Andy Vasquez, who is on the show as always, who covers the Jets for NJ.com. Boy, do we have a lot to talk about because this game was absolutely insane. But before we get to it, Andy, how was your weekend? How was it in Cleveland? And did anything you did leading up to this game prepare you for the madness that you just watched in person? I don't think anything can prepare you for that because it's, um, you know, like a once in a generation type thing that happens in the NFL to not to a team, to any team. Like this, this is some, what happened on Sunday does not happen. And it did for the Jets. And it was pretty weird to be in the building when it happened. And it's, it's still hard to believe that it actually happened. So I don't think anything can prepare you for that. But it was a, it was a beautiful weekend in Cleveland. Enjoyed some baseball on Saturday um, and some good food. And, and obviously a hell of a football game on Sunday that Jets fans are going to be talking about for a very long time because of what happened in that final minute 55. This is going to go right up there with the Monday Night Miracle as one of the all-time classic Jets comebacks. And Andy, just to put it in perspective, here's what you had. A fake punt that the Jets converted for a first down and eventually got a touchdown off of early in the game. A 57-yard field goal from Greg the Leg Zerline, the guy who missed 
an easier field goal last week, not to mention a PAT. You had a missed PAT by Browns kicker Cade York, who made a 58-yard game winner last week. You had a glorified Hail Mary from Joe Flacco to Corey Davis with under two minutes to go. You had a recovered onside kick, and you had the game-clinching interception made by the most maligned player on the team. If you wrote this script and submitted it to somebody in Hollywood, they would laugh at you and say it was too corny. I mean, it's even more absurd than the stuff you just mentioned because there's even more. Like the guy who caught the game-winning touchdown is a rookie who caught his first touchdown pass earlier in the game mm-hmm. and had a huge drop in the fourth quarter and got redemption. Uh, I mean, and none of this would have been possible if Nick Chubb goes down before mm-hmm. he gets into the end zone with 155 left because the Browns are then going to have first and goal after the two-minute warning and the Jets have no timeouts. That's game over. Or they're going to have second and short if he went down before the first down. And the game is still probably over. So uh, it's just insane, everything that happened. And like you said, the unlikely heroes, the the guys who a, a lot of fans were, were fed up with and, and maybe didn't want on this team, like, like Brayton Mann, like Ashton Davis, who play a key role in, in this happening. Uh, and not to mention Joe Flacco, who, who a lot of fans didn't want in there this week, comes out and, and throws four touchdowns, including two in the final two minutes, uh, and has a pretty damn good game. And 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 all of this is made possible by an offensive line that looked awful last week and, and suddenly remembered how to block. It wasn't perfect, but much better this week. I mean, it's just, um, I mean, and you start to look at the numbers on, on this kind of thing happening. Uh, ESPN had a, had a great stat that this had not happened since 2001 when the Bears beat the Browns, believe it or not, after being down by, by 13 in the last two minutes. It was something, some ridiculous number, like more than 2,100 games with teams down by 13 and or more in the last two minutes, and none of them came back to win. And obviously that's like every game, every blowout like goes into that category as well because it's any game that's 13 or more, but but still, I mean, it just doesn't happen. And it happened today. And um, yeah, like you said, it's it's not something uh, that a script writer could have come up with because it's so absurd. It, it, it doesn't even seem like it could be possible. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. 
Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Andy, let's start with Garrett Wilson, because throughout the week, one of the stories that everybody was talking about was why didn't Garrett Wilson play more snaps in week one? He was consistently open. In fact, Joe Flacco had him open for a touchdown and threw the ball about 20 feet over Wilson's head. And if you went back and watched the tape, he was open all day long. Mike LaFleur had a perplexing quote earlier in the week where he sort of went down the Denzel Mims road saying, Garrett Wilson is very talented, but he has to get a handle on all the wide receiver positions. And so you started to get a sense of deja vu. But early on in this game, Andy, Garrett Wilson asserted himself. He had a touchdown early on. He had a whole bunch of big catches. And even though, as you mentioned before, he dropped a pass late in the game that would have been a first down. He was a couple of steps past the first down marker that seemed like a killer at the time. He comes back at the end of the game, catches the game winner. It's funny because I said right before that play, the one thing that the Browns have been unable to do all day was stop Garrett Wilson from getting open. That's where Flacco needs to go on that play, and it's exactly what Joe Flacco did because for all his faults and how we joked about last week, Joe Flacco being a statue, and looking like he barely wanted to play. There's a reason why he's been in the league for 15 years. He's not a dumb guy. He knew exactly where to go with that ball in crunch time, and it was the right decision, so the Jets get that win. But before we get into anything else, this looked like the beginning of what could be a phenomenal NFL career. Only two games in, but you can already tell why the Jets loved him so much out of Ohio State. Absolute star potential. He was fantastic today. As I said, got open a lot last week. Flacco didn't see him and missed him on that potential touchdown. This week, Flacco went to him early and often. It paid dividends, and I have a feeling it's going to pay dividends a lot over the rest of the season and hopefully over the next few years. Yeah, I mean, what more could you ask for than what Garrett Wilson did today? Um, I mean, maybe not drop that pass in the fourth quarter, but other than that... um, he, he just wins matchups and gets open over and over and over again. I mean, when's the last time you could line up a, a Jets wide receiver at the goal line and be like, okay, if he beats his man, you go, you throw the ball to him, he's going to score. And, and that's exactly what Garrett Wilson did for his first career touchdown early in the game in the second quarter. Um, and, and if you look at Joe Flacco, obviously realized that he missed some opportunities last week because he was not, going to miss an open Garrett Wilson, at least not, you know, miss seeing him in this game. And it started from the first half. I don't know what the targets ended up at, but at halftime, Wilson had been targeted seven times. No other Jets receiver had been targeted more than twice. And um, he was open just frequently because they couldn't handle him. And as you were talking about with that last play, the game-winning touchdown, Flacco said when he got the play call in the huddle, he, he started smiling because he knew Garrett Wilson was going to get open and he knew he was going to throw him the ball before he even stepped up to the line of scrimmage. And it's exactly what happened. And and I don't know the last time the Jets had a receiver who could do that, but I do know it, it was before I was on the beat and when I got in the beat in 2016. Um, so they have not had a receiver who could do that. And, and this is his second career game. So I think the Jets are managing maybe like expectations and kind of trying to, like slow everybody's role on this kid because they see how good he is, but also, um, you know, it is kind of a ridiculous, um, it's ridiculous to assert that 
like that because he doesn't know all the plays that that he may not get as much playing time as he should or know all the receiver positions as well as he should that it, that it would limit his playing time because when you're as good as this kid is and and you get open and you make tough catches um, and you make a defense you know the, the Bengals are going to have to worry about him and, and game plan for him next week uh, when you're that good you they, 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 they can't you can't stay off the field and the Jets didn't keep him off the field today and, and uh, obviously he rewarded that playing time with a performance that um, I think is going to be remembered for a long time, especially if Garrett Wilson becomes what it looks like he can become, which is a very good receiver in this league. He's already, I, I would say, uh, I mean, it would be hard to argue right now that he's the best receiver on this team, which is insane when, when you're talking about being two games into his career. Andy, some other observations on the offense. The offensive line, they had some trouble early on. The second half, they really started to tighten up. They were able to figure out a way to limit Miles Garrett. I think a lot of it had to do with Jadavion Clowney coming out of the game. That's when the Jets' offensive line started to play better. Max Mitchell had a huge fumble recovery in the fourth quarter that temporarily saved the game. And speaking of the fumble recovery, not the best day for the tight ends today. Jeremy Ruckert and his only target dropped the ball. Tyler Conklin had some drops and a fumble. Not the best start to Tyler Conklin's Jets career. Corey Davis, Andy, he's on pace for 1,400 yards this season after the first two games. I don't think that's going to happen, but he had a huge touchdown late in the game. It was the same thing that happened last week when the Browns took on the Panthers. Robbie Anderson just got behind a receiver and was off to the races for a 75-yard touchdown. Same thing happened with Corey Davis here. The Browns are going to have to tighten that up, but that's their problem. A huge play for Davis, and he's done pretty well so far the first two weeks, despite that one drop early in the game last week rushing the ball Michael Carter wasn't all that great on the ground but he had some nice plays in the passing game and Brees Hall the one time he was targeted he caught a pass for a touchdown in the run game only had seven carries but 50 yards 7.1 yards per carry a little strange that they didn't go to him more often but that's nitpicking and he is certainly showing that even though Garrett Wilson was the star today that he is going to be a big factor for the Jets going forward. And of course, Joe Flacco. We can't forget about Joe Flacco. He looked terrible last week. And this week, he didn't look great to start. But as the game wore on, he got stronger and stronger and played really, really well at the very end. He had had, I believe, going into this game, 14 fourth quarter comebacks. This was another one, and they call him Joe Cool for a reason because he was cool under pressure. There was one play in particular at the end on that last drive where he could have gotten sacked, which probably would have ended the game, but he was able to get away just long enough to throw the ball away, stop the clock, and make sure that the Jets didn't lose crucial yardage and let time tick off the clock that they weren't going to be able to get back. Four touchdowns, over 300 yards passing, no turnovers and no major mistakes. So this was a solid game for Flacco. And this is the exact type of game that the Jets were counting on from him when they said they wanted Flacco to be able to help them tread water until Zach Wilson comes back. So overall, a really nice game for the Jets offense. The only real negative was Tyler Conklin. You hope that he can improve over the next couple of weeks because it hasn't gone well for him the first two games. But again, if his performance is the only major problem the Jets had on offense today, that means they were doing a lot of things right. Yeah, it's just a wild kind of turn of events because if, if you had 
Cummins told me on Saturday night that the Jets' offense was going to carry the Jets' defense after what we saw in week one, I would have laughed at you because that didn't seem possible. And, and then the offense puts up 31 points, which is absurd after what we saw last week where they couldn't score a touchdown until the final minute of the game. I mean, just like, what the? Like, come on. That's, this is crazy. Uh, but the, that's beside the point. I think the offensive line was pretty good throughout the whole game. They had some issues with um, Garrett early and gave up one really bad sack, which was actually on Conklin, who who let him go by untouched when he was clearly supposed to be blocking him. <laughs> uh, and I think sack, Flacco was sacked twice, which is overall pretty good job against this defensive front, which is better than what they saw against Baltimore. And, and I was of the opinion last week, I, I know Flacco definitely didn't play a good game, but I think a lot of the issues that he had were directly related to the offensive line. And, and he got much better protection today, uh, especially in the second half, like you said, especially after Clowney went out. But I also thought the run game in the first half, the Jets once again averaged about seven yards per carry. I think maybe a little bit of mis- a mistake in the second half. I know things got crazy, but uh, going away from that. But yeah, Brees Hall looked great. I mean, just the speed and the power that he runs with and um, the way he was able to find holes basically at the beginning of every one of those runs and then exploit it. It was impressive, and then obviously the really nice play for the touchdown catch. Uh, the tight ends, like you said, have been disappointing so far, not only in the just because they haven't contributed, but because uh, it, it seems like they've their impact on the game has been more based on their mistakes than on anything good they're doing. Uh, the mistakes at this point outnumber the good we've seen, and, and given the investment that the Jets put into that position this offseason, that's uh, you know a, a cause for concern. Uh, but but overall, yes, the offense, um, the play calling was better. The the blocking, uh, both in running and pass protection, was much better from the offensive line. I think that's the key. That's why they were able to to sustain success. That's why they were able to convert on uh, at least early on in the game on most of their third downs, which was a huge problem against the Ravens when they they started zero for eight and didn't get a third down conversion until the fourth quarter, uh, and. And like you said, Corey Davis is also with that one play against the Ravens being the exception. I think he's been everything you, you'd want him to be. And, and I think uh, obviously that touchdown late in the game was more about uh, a Cleveland mistake than anything Corey Davis did. But uh, he still made the play, made it happen. And uh, it ended up being, I think, the moment where everybody in that stadium kind of realized, like, oh, my God, we we – but it was just eerie. It got so quiet. And even Joe Flacco said this, like never been in a situation like that where the place just got so quiet, even though they were still leading and so much still happened for the jets to win. But I think the way, the way that had gone down, it just so quickly, the jets had a chance to get back in that game. Uh, You just felt the energy in the stadium change. And then obviously it changed uh, even more dramatically moments later when they recovered the onside kick. Andy, you mentioned two sacks, one by Miles Garrett. The other was Jadavion Clowney. It was a strip sack on Flacco. He got around yep. Max Mitchell. That's going to happen when you're talking about a guy like Jadavion Clowney and Max Mitchell playing in his second NFL game. Clowney is incredibly talented, and that's why when he's going up against Max Mitchell, it's a huge mismatch. But 
to Mitchell's credit, he tightened up in the second half, and the Jets' offensive line in general played a lot better. Talking about the Browns' offense, it's interesting, Andy, because the only player on the Jets' defense that I thought really stood out today was DJ Reed. He made some excellent tackles. He played great last week. I said earlier that I think DJ Reed is shaping up to potentially be the best free agent signing that Joe Douglas has made since becoming the general manager of the Jets. It's funny because Jacoby Brissett played terribly last week, and I don't want to say he was a world beater today, but he was 22 of 27, 229 yards, very efficient. Amari Cooper was the guy that was doing most of the damage, nine catches, 101 yards, and a touchdown. Last week's leading receiver for the Browns did nothing, Donovan Peoples-Jones. He had that one touchdown catch in the end zone that was overturned. People were making a big deal because they were saying it was Sauce Gardner's first allowed touchdown, but you could easily see on the re- play that people's jones was out of bounds so it got overturned the running game was good but it wasn't elite good you expect nick chubb to go well over 100 yards he didn't he had 17 carries for 87 yards very good very efficient he did of course have the three touchdowns and kareem hunt 13 carries for 58 yards also very good very efficient but when you compare it to what they did against the panthers last week not quite as good that's not to let the jets defense off the hook because obviously we saw the Browns were making a ton of big plays in the running game, even if the numbers weren't as gaudy as they were against the Panthers. And ultimately what this comes down to is the Browns made plenty of plays. They put plenty of points on the board. They played well enough to win and they did score 30 points. But unlike last week against the Panthers, it just wasn't good enough. And the funny thing is, Andy, the same thing that happened to them last week. I talked about this before with that late touchdown. Last week, it was our old friend Robbie Anderson. This week, it was Corey Davis. And last week, it was Cade York hitting a 58-yarder to win the game. This week, it was Cade York missing an extra point. That ultimately ended up being the difference here. If Cade York misses that 58-yarder last week, the Browns lose. If Cade York makes that extra point this week, who knows? Because the game may very well have gone to overtime and it's impossible to know how it would have turned out then. But his missed extra point this week cost them the game. And last week, that 58-yarder is what won it for them. So really fascinating turn of events in so many different ways. Yeah, I mean, the Browns played well enough to win but they didn't finish and like uh for once the jets just took the opening and exploited it and and did absolutely it it took everything uh they had to make every play they had to get they couldn't have any mistakes there in those final two minutes and they didn't they capitalized on every opportunity and ultimately you, you can't take that away from the Jets. Um, they, they went out and won when they got the opportunity, but it would not have been possible if not for the Browns making some serious mistakes there that, that probably shouldn't should have never happened. But you can't hold that against the Jets. Uh, the Browns made those mistakes. Uh, the Jets capitalized on every single one of them and, and made the most out of them. And, and that's pretty impressive. But with the Browns running game, uh, it was interesting because I thought the Jets did a, a really nice job basically for the entire game or, or for the entire first three quarters of, of keeping it in check. But the fourth quarter was, yeah, they got dominated on, on the ground. It, it was, they, they allowed 17 carries for 123 yards. Um, I think the Browns finished with, with around 180 something yards. So um, they only had 60 ish yards going into that fourth quarter. Uh, so that was the one thing the jets had done well in defense. I, I don't think, like you said, Amari Cooper getting open as often as he did, um, 
that was that was concerning and, and I think if there's anything you take away from this defensive performance it's that the, the jet safeties um, there may be some issues there uh, I don't think Jordan Whitehead had a good game and I know he's playing hurt um, I don't think Joyner has been good for the first two games and I think that's that led to a lot of the issues that they had today covering tight ends and covering Amari Cooper um, uh, on one of the touchdowns or on, on Cooper's touchdown. Uh, it looked like there was some sort of miscommunication and that sauce Gardner was probably supposed to be on him and wasn't, I'm not sure if sauce ended up being the closest player to him and if it's going to technically end his streak. But um, I, I think, you know, sauce didn't have the best game today and that he's a rookie and he's going to have some bad games. And I don't think it's that big of a deal, um, especially because he still made some nice plays and, and, um, you know, it wasn't like it snowballed or anything, but um, yeah, I think you you have some concerns um, in coverage after what we saw today, and, and that wasn't the way you thought it would go after the way they looked against the Ravens, and they're going to have to tighten it up with Joe Burrow coming to town next week. Andy, how's this for a stat? Ashton Davis, who had the game ceiling interception, only played one snap. And it was that interception. That's absolutely crazy. You want to talk about Johnny on the spot. That was Ashton Davis today. I want to talk a little bit about special teams before you take us inside the locker room. This was a huge redemption day for Brant Boyer's unit because we had been talking about how bad Braden Mann has been and how the Jets were going to have to start looking for replacements. And he came out there today and not only did he punt fairly well, but he also had a perfect pass on a fake punt. And then late in the game, an outstanding onside kick that the Jets were able to recover. Justin Hardy and Will Parks played very well on that onside kick. So kudos to them and Brant Boyer's unit for being able to recover that. And then, of course, there's Greg the Leg Zerline, who struggled big time last week. He missed a field goal and an extra point today, nailing a 57-yard kick, which ended up being the difference in the game. So Brant Boyer's unit, and particularly Greg Zerline and Braden Mann, really redeemed themselves today. Yeah, I mean, about the only thing Braden Mann didn't do today was make a, a huge shackle, which um, that would have been the, the full bingo card for him. But um, <laughs> yeah, it, it was a cool day for special teams and, and just... Um, yeah, it was Zerline. That 57-yard kick is, believe it or not, matches the longest kick in franchise history, uh, longest field goal in franchise history. And the guy who did that was Chandler Catanzaro back in 2017. You guessed it, in this same building. I, I think if I remember correctly, the Jets played a terrible first half against the Browns that day. They were being shut out just before halftime, and, and man made the longest – not man, excuse me, Catanzaro made the longest kick in franchise history. Uh, obviously different circumstances today, but the same result. So I guess Jets kickers like Cleveland uh, at First Energy Stadium because both of the team's longest field goals ever have come here. Uh, and yeah, like like huge day for Zerline, huge, huge fumble recovery, or I'm sorry, onside kick recovery from uh, Justin Hardy. And, and let's give Will Park some credit too. I think he put a big hit on Amari Cooper there and was able to kind of knock the ball back towards Justin Hardy, uh, where, where he recovered. And then, yeah, uh, going back to, to Braden Matten, just for him to, to have a, a good enough day punting the ball and then taking uh, advantage of the opportunities he had with the fake and um, obviously a, a 
perfect onside kick at the end. Those are really hard to recover. That's why it doesn't happen often anymore um, with the with the way the kicking rules are now. It, it took perfect execution, and like I said, the Jets deserve credit for capitalizing on every opportunity they had in the final minute 55 of this game. Andy, at one point, Sauce Gardner and Garrett Wilson both came out, but then came back in, so clearly they're okay. Any other injury news that we need to know about? Yeah, it was actually an eventful day with a with a uneventful result in terms of the final update from Robert Sully. So that everybody who was injured ended up coming back in the game, so they'll evaluate tomorrow, but they're not foreseeing any issues. Um, Wilson, Garrett Wilson left in... I believe it was the third quarter after nearly coming down with a spectacular catch on the Jets' sideline. It's kind of a weird scene. He went way up for it, landed hard because he was so in the air, and then he's in the middle of the Jets' sideline, and, and the game is going on, but while they're providing him medical attention, he ended up going into the tent, coming back out, and, and finishing the game, obviously, with the, with the game-winning touchdown. So he, so he's fine and said he, he, he's not foreseeing it being an issue going forward. It looked like Jermaine Johnson – uh, cramped up there at one point and was being evaluated for that, but he came back in the game. Gardner, um, they didn't have an official announcement, but I would guess that uh, he was being evaluated for potential concussion, just given I think we saw the concussion guy over there by the 10th, the NFL's concussion guy. Obviously, he was cleared and, and returned to finish the game. Uh, Quinn and Williams, uh, in a concerning development, left and was dealing with a foot injury in the second half, but he returned to finish the game too um, and says he expects to be fine. So um, a lot of injury scares for the Jets, but but no real fire with that smoke. Um, so that, that was good news, more good news for them, and what was obviously a very good day for this team. Andy, time to take us inside the locker room where we heard from a bunch of players and, of course, Coach Robert Sala, headlined by the hero of the day, Garrett Wilson. And if you did what I did and took Garrett Wilson as one of your daily fantasy entries on the player projections at prizepicks.com, you did very well because he needed to get more than 30 yards. He got a lot more than 30 yards. Here's how it works if you want to play coming up over the next couple of days or, of course, for the next game with the Jets, although I would assume that next week against the Bengals, the player projection for Garrett Wilson is going to go up, so it's not going to be 30 yards. You pick two to five players, and if they score more or less than their prize picks projection, you can win up to 10 times your money on any entry. No competing against other people, just you versus the projection available. Prize picks offers projections on any sport you want, so it could be football, Football, NFL or college, basketball, the NBA or college, UFC, tennis, whatever you want. It's all available at prizepicks.com. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. Download the PrizePix app or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users receive a 100% instant deposit match up to 100 bucks with the promo code PLAJ. If you deposit 100 bucks, PrizePix will give you 100 bucks. If you deposit 50 bucks, PrizePix will give you 50 bucks. Don't forget to enter the promo code PLAJ at sign up for an instant deposit match up to 100 bucks at prizepicks.com. So Andy what did Garrett Wilson and everybody else have to say in the locker room after the game? Yeah, we'll start with Garrett Wilson. And, and basically what he had to say was, first of all, that he was grateful um, for the chance at a little bit of redemption after that drop. Um, uh, you know, he thought that, that he had probably blown the chance for, the, for them to win the game when 
he had a drop with him down by seven in the fourth quarter and a play that would have been a first down. Um, you know, he, he said that basically uh, he, he thought it was over and, and, and that he was grateful to have the chance to, to go back and, and do that. Um, in terms of why he was getting so open, he said that he got great looks from his scout team throughout the week and great preparation from the coaches. Um, and he said that preparation during the week helped him feel really comfortable out there uh, on Sunday. And, and he had some some interesting remarks about Joe Flacco and, and how much he likes playing for him. He said, I love Joe. The way he goes about his business is that he understands the way the NFL is. And you can tell by looking at him when everyone is trying to figure out figure it out. We can be a little bit frantic sometimes running around the facility. And Joe is just kind of walking through there. It translates to the games too. It translates to how he goes about preparation. He's in control and he really wants to be on the same page of all of us, especially with the younger dudes. And he says that he values every rep in practice that he gets with Flacco because he's the quarterback right now. And and the chance to build that chemistry has been really cool. With, with Robert Sala, he addressed, uh, you know, everything. Obviously he was um, you know, very excited about the end result. He said, uh, you know, you could you could hear it in the locker room, the, uh, you know, kind of the intensity and, and the, you know, just the overall good feeling after getting a win like that. He said, we're off the snide. I love the way this feels. Um, but Salah also did a good job, and this is not something he's always been good at, uh, putting it into perspective right away. He said, we have to find a way to stack them up. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that we have to clean up, but I'm just proud of the guys because we didn't quit. That's probably the biggest thing uh, I'll take away from it. Um, Salah, you know, also said that that was interesting um, the, that the Browns didn't, that Chubb didn't go in on that touchdown. He said immediately when that happened, he, first of all, he said he's, he's never been, um, he's never been so happy for a missed tackle in his life. He's talking about DJ Reed not being able to bring down, Nick Chubb on that touchdown in the fourth quarter, the 155 left. Uh, here's more from Salah. That was our only chance. Credit to the offense that stepped up and took advantage on, on the busted coverage on Corey's play and left us enough time to get uh, the onside and the win. Um, he also said that, um, you know, basically that as soon as Chubb didn't go into the end zone, the coaching staff on, on the headsets, the, the same words were echoing like, okay, they gave us a chance. Let's see what happens. Um, and, and what happened is the Jets took advantage of that chance and, and won the game. Salah was also asked about, you know, obviously it was a difficult week for him, taking a lot of criticism about uh, his comments about the receipts. And and uh, obviously he also took some heat for, for sticking with Joe Flacco. Uh, he could have perhaps – you know, as he alluded to earlier in the week, shoved it down someone's throat today, but uh, I thought his response was perfect. No, we have to win a hell of a lot more games than, or we have to win a hell of a lot more than one game to cash in on those. And he's referring to the receipts, of course. Um, so without even bringing it up by name, he acknowledges kind of the tumultuous week that he had. And, and I thought with a, with a perfectly appropriate uh, comment that, that shows that, yeah, we're happy we won, but we know we have a hell of a lot more work to do. And and I think that's the biggest takeaway from Salah in this game is that the Jets did a lot of good things, and it's a lot easier to um, preach to your team about lessons and, and, and what you can learn from your mistakes when the end result is a win. I, I asked Salah about that, and he said, yeah, it's just um, – it's a whole lot easier, and um, it's so much easier to have conversations 
but the conversations with these guys still have to be real. It still has to be hard. We still have a lot of stuff to get fixed. And, and that is accurate. Um, Joe Flacco had a lot of interesting things to say. He said it was probably one of the craziest games he's ever been involved with. He particularly noticed the, the moment. Um, I mean, and, and just going back to that real quick, he said, I don't know where it ranks, but it's up there. At one point, you're, you're sitting on the bench. It looks like they had the opportunity to run the clock out. And then obviously when he scores, you're thinking, okay, that's not what he's supposed to do. But I'm sure they were still thinking it's 30-17. Um, but then the, the the deep ball to Corey Davis. And, and that's where, where Flacco said it was just a, one of the strangest and most interesting moments of his career. Um, he said the crowd got so quiet at that point that that he it was just bizarre because the stadium was still mostly full but like everybody went silent and, and it kind of like seemed like they knew what was coming um and and here's what he had to say about that um obviously when you see him going to the sideline turn up the field he's on top of the corner and you have the ball going and then no one is anywhere near him it was a really weird feeling because of how quiet it got in there you almost felt like there was a penalty or something obviously we're in cleveland so it makes sense that it got that quiet but that feeling was something I have never felt before how quiet it actually got out there. The game wasn't over. There was actually still a minute and a half left. And yeah, the Jets still had a lot of things they had to do, um, but they did them all. Um, with Garrett Wilson, uh, he, he said, I'm really happy for him. There's a lot of guys on this, uh, him and a lot of the guys on this team. We've known that the lights aren't too big for him, um, that he's already grown up and, and he's capable of playing in this league but you really aren't going to have people be able to say that about you until you win football games. So that's why winning is so big in this league. It just cures all those things, all those issues you have, no matter how the outcome or how this game turned out, those things are all true, but nobody cares rightfully so. And that's why winning is so big. And, and one more from Flacco on Wilson's last touchdown when uh, Mike, the offensive coordinator called the play in the huddle through my headset, I had a smile inside. Their safeties are tight but they were playing pretty soft. We're trying to call a couple things to get in that hole behind the linebacker. This just gets you there pretty fast. They're playing so soft that I was throwing that ball no matter what. If I had to manipulate that backer a little bit and come down to the short guy, then I was going to do it. Uh, I was going to find some little window there to hit him, and obviously it was a pretty big window. <laughs> um, and, and he found him with the touchdown pass. Uh, the other interesting thing, DJ Reed said initially he wasn't real happy that he allowed Chubb to get the touchdown. And then, you know, he went back, watched it on the, on, on the, the iPad or whatever, the tablet on the sideline. Uh, and then he starts watching the offense and, and he very quickly got into that. And he said that as soon as they recovered the onside kick, he knew they were going to win. There was never a doubt in his mind. Salah said the same thing. And uh, I think CJ Mosley said the same thing. Now, interesting thing to tell you just about how crazy this game was. DJ Reed is pretty experienced. CJ Mosley is very experienced. Neither one of those guys knew the score on the final drive. So when Ashton Davis had the interception, they were like, why'd you go down? Like they, they didn't realize that the extra point had been missed. And then they realized it and they were happy. So it just kind of goes to show you just how crazy this game was. And last but not least, Sheldon Rankins. Um, he's a, a very, kind of reflective guy and I think he has a really good 
handle on the pulse of the locker room. And I asked him about how much easier is it when you win to, to take these lessons. And, and he said that he basically has this, this theory that he lives his life by that like, if you prove it, um, it's a whole lot easier to get it done. I'm not doing justice to his words because I don't have the direct quote in front of me, but basically saying that once you win and you prove to yourself that you can win, doing it again becomes a whole lot easier. And he thinks that for this team, even though this win came in an unconventional way, it's going to have that kind of effect on them and, and really help them moving forward. Um, I could keep going. This was a obviously a very happy locker room, as CJ Mosley told us after. It was crunk in there after the game. Um, I don't think he spelled that properly when somebody asked him to spell it, but um, that's about the only thing that didn't go great for for the Jets today. It was a very happy locker room and a very good day for this football team. Andy Vasquez covering the Jets for NJ.com. Thanks so much for coming on and breaking down this insane win for the Jets 31-30 in Cleveland as they move to 1-1, one one, preparing to come back and play their second home game of the season against the Cincinnati Bengals next Sunday. Really appreciate it. For those that want to check out your work, you are going to have a ton up at NJ.com this week. What are people going to see when they go to NJ.com, and how can they follow you on social media? Yeah, well, obviously a full breakdown of this insane game. Um, we have the takeaways from the game. We have uh, going kind of deeper on that Nick Chubb run and, and what the Jets thought of it and everybody else thought of it that allowed them to win this game or, or get back in it. Um, you know, Going into Robert Sala's comments after the game and kind of what it means for him and the team moving forward after a really tumultuous start to this season. Um and obviously, we're going to look ahead to the Bengals. This is the first time since 2018 the Jets have been at 500, uh, you know, after or really after the games have started. Um, they, you know, they've lost their their last three season openers and fallen to 0 and 2 the last three seasons before uh, this year. So they're actually you know at 500 once the season has started for the first time since 2018. Uh, and now they have a chance to go over 500 for the first time since 2018 and only for the, the third time in the last uh, seven years. So it's obviously a big week for the Jets, and, and obviously um, it's good to be talking about a meaningful game coming up against the Bengals. And follow me at Andy underscore Vasquez on Twitter to stay fully updated on, on everything that happens this week as the Jets get ready to face the Bengals. Make sure you follow Andy on Twitter at Andy underscore Vasquez. Read his work over at NJ.com. Check out everything we're doing at PlayLikeAJet.com and the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel. The Thunder from Down Under, Luke Grant, has got some awesome All-22 breakdowns, including one of Garrett Wilson, which foreshadowed what he did against the Browns. You go and watch that video from Week 1 against the Ravens, and Luke shows you how Garrett Wilson was open all day long repeatedly. If Flacco had gone to him more often, the Jets would have had a lot more success in the passing game in week one. This week he went to him early and often, and we saw the results. Watch that video and all the other videos on our channel. Subscribe if you haven't already, youtube.com slash play like a jet. Visit our store, tpublic.com. That's tee We've got the John Franklin Myers, Quinn and Williams, bless you, thank you shirt. The Zach Says Go Long shirt, the Zach the Ripper shirt, the Play Like a Jet logo shirt, caps, mugs, hoodies, it's all there. tpublic.com. That's tee And be sure to give us a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes. If you haven't done that already, 
Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcast and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and playlikeajet.com. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did to create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.